Pod Boys Productions. time for a movies film podcast that uh, I've been doing for a little bit just podcast wise but wanted to try out a little bit of the live streaming action for it uh, it's a uh, movies are relevant is what I had called it uh, the show but that's kind of like a, a play on words or that was a, a reference to a former podcast I did about the NFL called Mr.'s Irrelevant. So just kind of changed it to Movies Are Relevant. Which, I don't know, in, this, in the new streaming era here, I might want to think about it, changing the name so I don't have to explain like that every time. Which, even that explanation probably didn't make a whole lot of sense to anyone new coming in. So, uh, let me go ahead and uh, bring my co-host Eric in, though, and see what he has to say about it. All right. What's up, Eric? Are you hearing me over there? What's up, man? How are you doing? Everybody good? Doing good, doing good. I'm uh, just trying to get us both on the screen here. I'm still figuring this stuff out. We see we got a watermark no, it's just down me. there now. No, I do see that it's just you. All right. Well, I got a text from my brother. At least that confirms that we are streaming live and it is working. So <laughs> we got that going for us. Uh, so today we're going to talk. Hey, good about, job, man. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about two, mainly about two films, I think. Um, but before we get to that, do you have any ideas for? Should we rename the show and make it more like? I mean, I love uh, movies are relevant, but again, it doesn't really. Right, it's no longer thematic. Esoteric. Yeah. You're you're putting me on the spot, dude. I don't have. Uh... I know. Well, that's what I like to do on our show. I usually I usually like to do stuff like that. That's all right. We'll think about it. It's the movie show. Um, but, uh, yeah, so today there's two main films we want to talk about. Also, in the past, on our podcast, we've done different themed episodes. Like, one of the newer ones we did. We haven't recorded in a while, for one thing. But one of the last ones we did, I think, was just 2020 Catch-Up. We talked, like, a Bill and Ted new movie on that one. Some other 2020 films. We've done Oscar-themed shows in the past. Like, what was nominated. Um... We've done, uh, by the way, speaking of Oscar-themed uh, shows, well, since I can, uh, well, I know I can sh- share screen on this too. I was going to, I should have pulled that tweet up that I texted you a while back about the election though, because one of the shows we've talked about a lot in the past is, of course, Call Me By Your Name, Call Me By Your Name. I know uh, there was a Thank good, uh, yes, yeah, so one of your favorites, Eric, of course, and there was a good, um, tweet politically themed tweet oh there we got us both now there we go now we're cooking uh a politically themed tweet uh that um that was about the peach uh from from, do you remember when i sent you that one yes i do god damn it uh so it was like uh look him looking at the peach being like if georgia goes blue right now again i should have had it pulled up but whatever um, so we've done that. We've done a lot of horror-themed episodes because you're a big horror fan. Um, but going forward, at least for now, I think with the format, I think we're going to do one newer film to talk about and then one classic film or one older film. So that's at least what we're going to do today. Uh, and those films are going to be... The newer film is a Promising Young Woman, directed by, I believe... Emerald Fennell, I believe is her name, the director's name, um, and we're then going to talk classic from one of my favorite directors, you know, because I, uh, it's kind of a deep cut director, you know, to be one of my favorites, I'm pretty indie about it, Alfred Hitchcock, you know, not, not a lot of people have heard of him maybe, but, you know, I'm a big, you know, Hitchcock, underrated, underrated, 
Yeah, very underrated. But but one film that I've only just now seen, I think only for the second time that I know you had watched recently, so we're going to talk about that, uh, which is Notorious from, I believe, 1946, I want to say. That sounds right. Yeah. And uh, I don't. I think you hadn't uh, been too well-versed in Hitchcock, if I'm not mistaken, so you're just getting a little, a little into an, uh, him now, right? Uh, that's right. You know me. Just not watching old older movies um that's true tend to think that the acting in older movies suck but uh, i went on a little alfred hitchcock deep dive last fall and um really really a stunning film just yeah that was a point of a contention between us in the past your uh your thoughts about some older films but uh we don't need to revisit that whole uh disagreement right now but I, i was glad to hear that you did uh really enjoy that one so we will talk about it because i I rewatched it recently as well um yeah so that's gonna be what we're talking about today it's gonna be pretty spoiler heavy probably certainly with promising young woman this is a very tough film to even talk about without spoilers i want to say i don't know if you you'd probably agree with that yeah i mean it's really hard to talk about any movie without spoiling it but um specifically this one yeah yeah I mean, no. I, I, to be fair, like some films, like they're they're not so super plot driven or anything like that, or they don't have a lot of twists. So like, you could talk about some, even like older films. We're going to talk about like Notorious or classic films. You know, you that one's we're going to spoil that too, I guess. But it's been out since the '40s. You had you had a chance. Although I guess like if we want people to, I do want people to go back and watch some films they might not otherwise, some classic films. So maybe spoiling is not always the best, but I'll warn you before that anyway, I guess. So we'll get into Promising Young Woman, PYW, uh, in a minute. Real quick, though, is there anything else, like movie news or anything else uh, you've been excited about recently, uh, any films you've seen? Obviously, it still can't go to the theater in most parts of the country. Well, maybe Yeah, I was going to say, what news? Yeah, but uh, I don't know any... Um, well, they did, like, so they announced, like, with HBO Max and all this stuff, all these films are just going to be going directly there, directly to streaming. Do you have any thoughts about that? I just want them to be better than The Wonderful Woman. If the uh, Warner Brothers films, like, go directly to HBO for all of us to watch, I'd just like for them to be coherent and not insulting and not bad. So if they could all just be a little better than The Wonderful Woman um that'd be great now are you talking about the wonderful woman 1984 yes yes okay. which i Sorry. haven't seen yet or I, I don't even know if i want to watch it now because yeah it did, didn't get good reviews right you're getting you're oh, man, it's it right a, now it sounds like it's a big old turd yeah and the first one was like i i, I thought the first about two-thirds were, were pretty good and then kind of fell apart for me but it was okay I was probably going to watch uh, 1984 prior to hearing all this uh, negativity toward it. And since there's so much other stuff anyway, even with no theaters, whatever, there's plenty to watch regardless. But uh, when I dip back into all decades, but yeah. So you saw that one. Um, any other, well, I'm trying to think what other, is there any other big name films that have come out in the past month? Not really, huh? Allegedly, Tenet came out, and I did, oh, I did see it. it. How do you feel about Tenet? Some of the action scenes I, were enjoyable to me. I didn't really understand what was going on the majority of the time. I didn't really try to understand. Uh, the lead, uh, which I believe is Denzel Washington's son, was I think kind so. of uh, not too charismatic or whatever. <laughs> Uh, I like Robert Pattinson. You know, he's he's pretty much good in everything now. He's um, always great. But yeah, it was just like a, it was kind of a whatever for me. But Same. It, I thought it was like, I don't know. They go out of the way to say stop trying to understand it. Like one character literally says stop mm-hmm. trying to understand it to another one. Great, always great in a script to throw that in there. You're like we'll just yeah. cover our bases and just tell the audience don't need to understand this right now. I don't know. It was like a. Um... Like, a good action movie with no plot. Like, if it had been a good action movie with no plot and that action. Like, great. 
but like the plot was the whole thing and I, and I feel like doesn't need to be two and a half hours or however long it was either it definitely could have been by i wanted it to be possible to understand you know like it was a good vibe it was a good vibe it was a nice okay. time at the not not at, not at the movies did you great suits well. yeah the suit game was pretty strong in that now i did think the well the one act the main actress was it was all drink of water uh for sure uh and it did make the also uh the star Denzel Jr. look um, he looked less uh, menacing because of that. It's not really his fault or whatever, but um, that's something I noticed throughout. Like, no, yeah, she was fucking great in it. Robert Pattinson yeah. was great. I didn't mind John David Washington. Um, Kenneth Branagh's always gonna be Kenneth Branagh. It's oh, really? just He's kind of one. like, you know, I don't love a movie that's up its own ass. Well, if you're talking uh, Christopher Nolan, it's probably gonna be heading in that direction a lot of the time i feel like uh, but is it the last blockbuster ever possibly <laughs> even though it's kind of not really one it was an in-between realm but will there ever be another uh big one release that everyone just goes out the theater maybe not because they are putting all the movies on online now which might have happened anyway eventually but obviously the pandemic really sped up that process i guess yeah i mean as far as i know i'm never going to go to a movie theater again which sucks now now if you are uh in a, a city that does have their theaters open or if you've got a drive-in potentially by which i saw this was the case near me it is playing at one drive-in you might be able to still go out and see promising young woman on a big screen it is possible i do believe otherwise i think you need to uh, rent it off amazon prime i believe is maybe the one of the only places it's streaming currently so why don't we just get roll on into that it's kind of like a i mean it's very uh, tonally there's a lot of tonal shifts in it i will say but it still kind of works a lot of times when movies have like wildly swinging tones that's an issue but this one not as much i guess uh but it's kind of hard to explain what it is i guess it's like a um you know without watching it it's it's like a dark comedy for a lot of the time then it then in some parts it's just like a almost like a regular romantic comedy weirdly it's like also yeah. like a rape revenge thriller at parts um it's like social commentary it i thought it was going to be more of a horror movie actually even just if you watch the, the preview um, it makes it uh, seem a little more of like it might be a, a horror film uh which it isn't really um unless it could be like a horror film for like creepy dudes that bars or things like that or you know those type of guys um that would be a lot of the characters in this film in real life maybe well in the trailer the trailer's constantly like consciously not constantly um playing up like the fact that it might get violent in all these situations and i guess mm -hmm. if we're gonna spoil it doesn't really um yeah i guess we could i guess we although, could like a couple more minutes and then go and then say we'll go into heavy spoilers yeah but... Which is not to say that it doesn't deliver on the tension that you're expecting from like the setup, all the setup for like I guess it's showing basically every encounter in here. Um, it is now that you watch it back, yeah. Long live the uh, long live the movie trailer um, tradition of showing absolutely every scene of a movie. Yeah, I do remember because this must have been supposed to come out like a long time ago and, and got delayed because of COVID, obviously. Because I remember seeing this preview. I believe the same exact preview. When I went and saw Uncut Gems, which was at the end of 2019, I believe. Um, right. And I do remember now, I think the trailer just, it does show, like, the first two, like, main set pieces of the movie, which had, like, Adam Brody and um, McLovin there, we saw. That was pretty well shown in the, uh, the preview there. But, yeah, I did I did kind of think from that. Yeah, it would be, like you're saying, with the tension and stuff, but... Um, yeah, but we'll get into spoilers, but yeah, so basically, though, it's, um, it stars Carrie Mulligan. She's kind of unrecognizable, I would say, um, and she's really excellent in the movie. Like, it's gotta be her best role I've seen her in, I think. She's um, fantastic, and she's fantastic in everything. One quibble? Yeah. What's I'd that? love for her to just be English and not do the fake mid-Atlantic accent that she was doing. I don't know, it didn't work. It, the, the, the accent was really bothering me. Interesting. I didn't pick up on it. To be, I um thought her accent was it didn't. I didn't. I didn't notice it. 
I do think it would have. There's some movies where I agree where like they should just be whatever nationality they really are, their accent. This one, it, I don't know if that would really would have worked as well because like she's supposed to be if if it was still set in America like it is. Uh, I think it's like some Ohio town it's supposed to be, because the movie could work in England just as well. They just move it there, but but the character is like supposed to be like her friend. Uh, she grew up there. Like it, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that part didn't bother me, but I, I guess I see what you're saying. If we wanted to get an accent of the leading ladies, we'll get we'll talk notorious as well, of course, in a bit, and that's uh, that with Ingrid Bergman who never. Uh, who just <laughs> kind of does her her accent uh, all the time to you from uh, Sweden or whatever. But but so but so yeah. The the basic plot is that something um, uh, a traumatic experience happened to the main character, um, and now she's dealing with that in an interesting kind of way that may also be kind of dangerous as well, and that's like really taking over her life etc and like i said with all these weird tonal shifts there like all these different things there is a lot of comedy in it um and the acting's really good everything like that um but yeah we'll, we'll just go full spoiler now so check out if you don't want to hear it and i definitely recommend it though um i think i, I was thinking oh yeah about this it's movie. great so you just watched it today like right before we recorded i saw it a little bit over oh, a week yes. ago and I was I was thinking about it for a couple of days. Like it, it really stayed with me this movie. So yeah, with that I'll I'll let you uh, since you, it's really fresh for you. You said you you really enjoyed it though as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. So the movie follows uh, Carrie Mulligan as an American, as we said, thirty year old woman. Oh, she turns thirty. Carrie Mulligan yeah, is at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Carrie Mulligan is neither of those things, but we can forgive them for both. Who's like not really going anywhere and just works in a coffee shop and whatever. Um, and then it follows her down this weird series of, like, honey trap. Yeah, it's very, like, entrapment style, like, to catch a Fake out sexual assault situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you think that it's, like, the movie does such a, really, such a great job of, like, tricking you into thinking that it's gonna get violent this time. Um, and then, and then it doesn't. And, uh, like, there's even that one scene where she's leaving, uh, Jason Biggs' house. Um, and you can see, like, blood on her leg and blood on her hand, and it's from a hot dog. Ha ha ha. I think but, it was uh, Adam Brody, not Jason Biggs, just to, just to get the ni- the uh, early 2000s uh, leading. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. Leading. I don't... I, they, they're all the same. Yeah, and then it does this thing where it's, like, kind of spinning you around in circles, right? Like, it's not sure what kind of movie it wants to be, so you're not sure what kind of movie you're watching. Um, and that's building tension the whole time. And so... There's just, like, a series of scenes where it's, like, it's about to pay off in a certain way, and then it doesn't do that because it's a different kind of movie for now. And then, of course, at the end, it gets to, like, oh, it is, oh this is that kind of movie. Things do become violent. Um, but, but when it gives you the payoff, it's, like, I thought it was brilliant the whole time that it was building that tension um, between what you expected and what was actually happening. Um, and the whole time, because the movie was gaslighting you, right? The whole thing is the, like, the sexual assault and abuse metaphor. The movie wants you to think that it's a different kind of encounter every time. And then, oh, I'm just kidding, we're happy now. And I'm oh, just kidding, actually, yeah. um, well, my there, boyfriend yeah. disagreed. So there's a couple of elements. So the initial part in the, in the scenes at the beginning with Adam Brody and these guys, her, like, her deal is she dropped out of medical school because, um, well, you find out why, but she works at a coffee shop um, with Orange is the New Black Woman. Um, they, she does nothing with her life, basically, except she has, like, a double life and trapping kind of these people to, just to teach them a lesson, I guess. She pretends to be drunk at a bar, sees who takes her home. She has this whole book of, like, she writes what happens, how far they tried to take it, etc. But she doesn't, like, hurt them or whatever. Um, which the well, and it doesn't. It doesn't want you to know immediately that she's not some kind of actual femme fatale, right? Like, it it waits a while before it tells you that she's not actually murdering these men. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I didn't think that she was murdering them from the beginning. I mm-hmm. didn't think that. Maybe you are supposed to. I'm not sure. But the other, um, the other main plot comes in then when she actually does start getting a, like actual revenge. Essentially, she's still teaching these people a lesson, but. Uh, like getting revenge on people that were actually wronged her or technically wronged her friend. 
because what you find out is she dropped out of medical school because her uh, best friend from childhood was in medical school with her, I guess, um, got uh, date raped or just regular raped, I guess, at a party in front of people, a bunch of people. Um, it was disputed with lawyers and everything. They, the school didn't do anything about it. Uh, one of their other friends, one of their other girlfriends, played by Allison Breed, didn't believe them or decided to turn the other, you know, not do anything about it either, um, etc. So a number of these people she wants revenge on. Um, and it's kind of kicked off by finding out the main perpetrator is back in town sort of thing, has a job back in town now. So that element's like, um, it's like a Kill Bill style list or something almost. But yeah, she's like teaching them a lesson. But at the same time, then she she meet, uh, she gets reacquainted with another person she went to medical school with, played by um, what's his name? This comedian. He's more known. He, he directed also uh, Eighth Grade, which is a good movie as well. Uh, that man's name is Bo Burnham. Yeah, Bo Burnham. Right. So then it starts. So she starts dating him then, and like it starts being like a like I said, there's like romantic comedy elements, but also then it's like that's part of how the movie is tricking you as well because it's like it's like giving you the bait and switch on that like it's sucking you into this relationship and and it's sucking the main character into this as well thinking like she does come to like part of a stanza at one point of like should i go this way that way but the kind of revenge element is just too much for her she has to well actually i guess since we're doing full spoilers what ends up happening is she finds out that the bo burnham character was there and saw what happened didn't do anything either um and it seemed like before that she was like leading toward just putting all this revenge stuff aside um and this double life aside well, then, and then but then of course, like again. right before that moment yeah. she had yeah yeah <laughs> uh right before that moment she has this like epiphany almost and it's, it's, it's like if this movie starred amy schumer this film would end like 15 minutes from here right turns everything around revenge isn't the only thing in the world um, and then the thing that you should go on describing happens. Um, and it's just like the, the constant, like resetting of expectations in this movie. Yeah. Uh, blew me away. I thought it yeah, was great. It's, it's very impressive. I believe debut for this, um, director now also the, oh, that's the, um, so that final part then, yeah, it's where it does get violent. Um, it's definitely that's the big twist of the film as well. So she um, finds out that from the Bo Burnham guy that um, he was there. Well, I guess we won't, I'm not going to say the whole plot of the movie, but like earlier in the film, she had um, taught Allison Breathe a lesson by getting her really drunk and then making it seem like something happened with a guy in a hotel room, which didn't exist. She, like, paid a guy, basically, to make it seem like that, um, to, like, freak her out, to teach her a lesson. Then Brie ends up showing her the the video that shows that her boyfriend was there, you know, and there was a video as well of the event and all this stuff. And then she makes him tell, uh, tell her where the bachelor party of the main perpetrator guys, who's from Veronica Mars, I noticed. Did you watch that, that show? seemed like that's something uh, i recognized him from i recognized him from it i wasn't like a big veronica yeah. mars head but I, and then his friend it was is, clear uh, to me where he was from yeah his friend actually max greenfield is mostly known from new girl um but he was in veronica mars too actually so it's a veronica mars reunion at the end with these two villain uh who end up being very well, kind of doofy kind of villain you know uh guys but they she uh goes to the, their bachelor party um as it's dressed up as like a nurse stripper um they're all drunk so they don't really realize anything's going wrong they think someone just called her uh she drugs all the other guys knocks them out and then basically has the the guy um chained to a bed uh handcuffed to a bed and she's going to what is she gonna do do you think like to him here she pulls out like some stuff like a needle and things like that and she's so trying I to get him to say what, what he did. Yeah. yeah. I thought this was pretty explicit. She um she goes through this entire monologue where like because of what he did to her friend, his name took over her whole life. It was the only thing, whatever, whatever, um, that she heard in the halls when she walked. Right. Um 
and so as vengeance, she is going to carve her friend's name all over this man's body. Oh, that's right, that's right. I see you saw it more recently, so I, I forgot about that, the carving part, that's right. Um, so, I, also I noticed too that, that she, he, that, so he won't, he still won't admit what he's done, basically, saying that, like, the whole thing of, like, he said, she said stuff, she was drunk, whatever, he's not a bad guy, whatever. Um, right, they used pretty much every one of those cliches, yeah. um, during the course of this movie um but but real quick what i was gonna say though is they never i don't believe they ever say the word rape in the entire film at least i didn't notice it i think which i don't think intentional so as well um yeah but sorry, at, at one point they one guy even says i wouldn't do that and she's she, she's like trying to get him to say what um and, and and in fact he will not like it seems like as you're suggesting like a matter of direction yeah yeah um, so then, uh, the, but in the twist, he's able to pull out of one handcuff. It's just not on, get it, breaks, and he just chokes her to death, basically. It's a very long choking to death, or he smothers her to the pillow. It's a very long scene. It's so uncomfortable. Um, he's, like, crying, I think, too, and, like, whatever. And, like, um, which, yeah, you didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. Because it does, again, it's another way the movie sets up your expectations. You think that... Uh, you think there'll be some kind of trumpet, like she does finally get revenge, whatever, and then might be like a, a more normal, conventional movie might be like she gets. Well, if, it could go different ways. If it was more of the typical rape revenge thriller, she would kill everyone, whatever, or whatever that type of ending. If it went more of the comedic empowerment something combo, then she would just like settle down, realize it's not worth this stuff isn't worth it. Just leave it alone. Maybe she would get good revenge on the guy. He would be fired, something like that. What happens is she does, like, she did think ahead and warn someone to have him arrested. So then he gets arrested at his wedding. It's the end of the movie. Um, the Max Greenfield character just dips out and runs away, which I thought was funny. Um, the um, But, yeah, so it's like a bittersweet, I guess, ending, kind of, like, for the character, at least. Like, you didn't want her to die, obviously, but... But what is the ending saying exactly? Is it saying, is it trying to play on the thing of like, you are asking for it? Because like, that's the whole thing about like a lot of this stuff. Like, um, like she's going out to bars pretending to be drunk to teach guys a lesson of like, doesn't matter what you're doing, you're not asking for it. But which is still super dangerous, putting yourself, and especially with the final situation we saw, it ended up killing her, um, leading to her death, whatever. Is that like that's kind of what I was thinking? It was like that sort of thing. It was trying to do a playoff on that. Um, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. I felt like I felt like that too. I felt um, like it was pretty obviously to me, um, like using the classic beats of the vengeance narrative to kind of dare you to respond that way, right? Yeah. And and, and I love it when movies do stuff like this. I'm I'm always like fucking bringing it up, like it's fucking something like brilliant that I just thought up, but. It was obvious. He was trying to dare you to have that reaction, um, even though like all revenge fantasy movies end this way. The the like the the point of a vengeance narrative is that it's going to consume your whole life, even to the point where like you know once you know it's a, once you know it's a vengeance movie, you you know that she can't just be happy with the Bo Burnham character. That like just when she thought she was out, something will in fact pull her back in. Yeah, but the movie is tricking you to think it will happen. That's why. So like. Because it is such an unconventional and does have these tonal things. I mean, there's a scene where they're freaking singing, I think, a Paris Hilton song and, like, dancing around in a uh, convenience <laughs> The needle store. drops in this movie are pristine. Um, yeah, there's also a great... When she's rolling up to, I believe, The Bachelor Party, it's playing, like, Toxic by Bernie Spears, but, like, a version that's, like, played on, like, a, like an orchestral version kind of thing, I think. Um, uh, it's a string quartet, yeah. String quartet, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're the, you're the classical music guy. Mm. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> But, yeah, so, like, it does... So, if it was, like, Kill Bill or something, or, you know, it was one of these movies where... Because um, there's tons of these, like, I think they're called, like, rape revenge movies. You know, they... Or it could be any other type of revenge. Like, Kill Bill is a different kind of revenge, whatever. But, like, um, you know it's... You kind of have that expectation from the beginning, and you know kind of how it's going to play out. Maybe there's some twists, but whatever. It's, it's going on one trajectory... And this really makes you think like it might not go on that trajectory, but then it still kind of does in a way. Um, yeah. So, do you think that the character 
Um, now, what do you remember what the character's name is? You literally just watched it, by the way. Uh, Cassandra. Cassandra? Cassandra. Well, I don't know, it's not a memorable name for some reason. Do you think uh, American accent, uh, mid-Atlantic accent, uh, Carrie Mulligan, Cassandra, was the character a sociopath, do you think? No, so the the one part of Revenge she gets on is, um, what's her name from Friday Night Lights, uh, is the dean who, who looked the other way. Because also the movie's called Promising Young Man, I mean woman, based on like the term Promising Young Man, which is like, was a term used in the case of, I think the swimmer from USC or whatever school it was, who got off on this yeah. type of thing. So it's like a play on that. She gets uh, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie where she's confronting her in her office in the dean's office. Um, cause yeah, she, it was electric. Um, and and then she calls her a sociopath. So I was trying to think because she it, she acts like a sociopath kind of in a way especially in like what she does to get revenge on that dean um and like some parts of this movie were almost reminding me of like nightcrawler or something with jake gyllenhaal like her character wasn't the same as like that character but like how she is like so obsessed with this one thing that's like seedy in a way and like all this stuff but then on the other hand at the end when she's like she's saying to the guy she has on the bed who ends up killing her like something like I'm completely normal, or what I'm doing is completely normal, or it's like the. Re- I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like. Yeah, he he just screams that she's fucking crazy, and yeah, she's yeah. like preparing to cut his body up, um, and it's just like I really don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. So, like, what do you think? Uh, is is uh, is she like sociopathic in some way, or is, is it just get getting really? part of obviously trauma but also because her friend we found mm-hmm. out committed suicide i guess mainly because of this pro- incident probably well then that's the thing right it's not just a movie about um about the the rape revenge fantasy it's it's also a movie about living in your trauma right she her actions are completely rational to the character mm-hmm. as are every as are heathcliff's actions right from for my weathering heights heads Oh, I it thought you meant the cartoon cat. Like his actions uh, sucking down those fish months. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, God. Um, it doesn't make them less insane, the actions, but, like, mm-hmm. they were arrived at rationally. The plan was to burn my life down and the lives of everyone around me. That's what I'm trying to think, because d- does the writer of the film, or do- is that what it's supposed to be? Like, what does the creator of the character think about this? Are they saying, like, a normal person should like would be driven to this and it is rational or would it take because at a certain point it, it would take someone that's very intelligent obviously to do anything like this at which she was in medical school whatever you know would be um and someone very dedicated and just dedicated but very has a goal very goal-oriented getting getting it done obsessive whatever does that make you real go-getter where does that where where does doing this sort of thing taking it over the line of like being crazy or a sociopath or whatever like i don't know well that's the thing like grief does make you crazy the movie goes out of its way to sarcastically allow you the opportunity to side with these fucking terrible shitheads every step of the way they're constantly repeating i didn't do anything wrong i thought we had a connection well i don't know if you're ever really sad with like the the mclovin or those guys maybe maybe the people from her from her life from the medical but I don't right, think right. I would never I would never do that. Well, you're on video having done that. I think the movie's going out of its way to give you the opportunity to like make the wrong call. I think that the point of it is kind of that the, like what she's doing is technically objectively fucking crazy because this is a revenge story. Um, but also with these fucking psychopaths that she's basically at war with that the world is going to decide with anyway, and we'll take the first opportunity to do. And, like, how crazy would that make you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, that's why I said, like, I was thinking about this for a couple of days. It really stuck with me. And it is, like, because it, it has so many, uh, it brings up so many things that are, like, very gray area sort of things. Or, like, even just about society or whatever, like, how there's this culture, what people say, like, rape culture or whatever. And, like, what does it actually mean? What is that? Is it real? Whatever, like this is like exploring that a little bit 
Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll wrap that up pretty much in a minute, but, uh, and get on to you, Notorious, but, uh, yeah, great, a big recommend from both of us, it sounds like, and shout out to some of the other, like, the character, really, it's, there's really only two main characters, which is her and Bo Burnham, I guess, um, that get most of the screen time, and then the other characters all get, like, a scene or two, like, they're more vignette sort of things, but shout out also to Clancy Brown and Steffler's mom, what is the actress's name, that play her parents, which are... Really I don't good, fucking I know. She, but they, I, I liked their performances a lot, too. Uh, it was good to see them. And also Alfred Molina, I didn't mention his character. He actually is, like, a, ends up being one of the few sympathetic characters where he was the lawyer that got um, the guy acquitted or got him off, whatever. Uh, but he actually had quit the law a few years after that when she confronts him and um is like very remorseful and feels like like his old life was really bad and he did really bad things getting these like rapists or whoever off um and then i think that's who she um sent the thing to to say like call the cops if i don't show up again or if i don't come back from this and he his like one yeah. main scene it was really obviously he's a phenomenal actor anyway he's good usually i was really good but that's that a, a movie is definitely elevated to you know elevated beyond when they can pull in like a couple of really good actors for like really important scenes that really make you you know maybe i'm staying the obvious that really elevates it to like to bring someone like that in for like something really poignant and important um to sell the emotions and all this stuff so yeah yeah he did his job in shitting there like the it's it's like one of the turning points of the movie. Like when you think it's turning in a different direction that it ends up turning, um, it is one of the turning points of the movie and it, it all rests on his like being the only character who is contrite, who has wrong her, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. So then you see like her, obviously her reaction from that. I'm not expecting, like she had a dude outside that she had paid obviously to like, I don't know what <laughs> she was going to do to this guy, but then tells him to go home or whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah, promising young woman, promising uh, a start to uh, this director's career. I think she was an actress before this, I saw as well. Actress, I think she was writing on Killing Eve. Oh, well, you know what? That that would make sense to me. Is she British? But, um... Yeah, yeah, Okay. she's uh, extremely British. That would make sense, that, uh, a little bit to me, because there, I did see some, uh, some elements. I'm a fan of that show also, um... There's definitely some oh, yeah, great. thematic elements, uh, and especially the comedy and stuff, the mix of comedy with other genres. She also, I haven't comedic. seen it, but she also plays Camilla Parker Bowles on The Crown? Hmm. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about The Crown have told me, like, have you watched The Crown? Watch it, and I just haven't haven't pulled the trigger on that one. I don't know that I ever will. I'm not too interested in the royal family and things like that. But um, No, fuck the royal family. I don't even know who Camilla Park. The name sounds kind of vaguely familiar, but she is whichever one of the princes is Diana's husband, Charles. Whichever prince is Diana's husband, she's the girl he actually loved uh, and is now married to. Oh, you know what? I think I did see though that the when I was looking up the actress from Tenet, the, the tall queen. I think she plays Princess Diana in that show. Elizabeth Debicki, yeah. Yeah, is that her name, Elizabeth Debicki? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, she's good. All right. So, Notorious, 1946. I think this was Hitchcock's... No, it wasn't his first big hit in America, I believe. I believe Rebecca came out before this, which won... Which was his only film to actually win Best Picture, I think. That might have been, like, 42 or something like that, or 41... But it's one of his earlier ones, you know, and for the most part, obviously, had mega hits later on with Psycho, uh, Rear Window, um, The Birds, and uh, others like that. Uh, now, he is considered the master of suspense, and I, I was trying to think, you know, I'll get your thoughts in just a sec here. I was trying to think when I was rewatching this, like, why isn't, because I am a big Hitchcock fan. Some of his films, Liquor Window is probably one of my favorite movies of all time, if not my favorite. I've seen that probably a dozen times. Um, I'm not a guy to rewatch movies a ton for the most part, but uh, there's other movies that I've been back to. Shadow of a Doubt is another one of my favorites from him. 
uh, which I would like you to watch uh, as well. I've seen it. Oh, you did see it since since last time I brought it up. You hadn't seen it, so uh, well, yeah. we don't have, we don't have time to get into that now. But but yeah, you, you liked Notorious better than that. I did. Um, I liked Notorious significantly better than Shadow of a Doubt. Okay, which by the way, he said was his favorite film, Shadow of a Doubt, of his own films. I disagree. Well, that's your prerogative to disagree with me and Hitchcock, two masters of a master of cinema and a master of cinema critique, as course, you just saw, as you just saw with my promising young woman review. Clearly, I'm the best at talking about film. I was like, a good bringing in a good actor elevates a movie. There's insight like that can't be found elsewhere. I mean, did no, you lie? I mean, is that a lie? Yeah. So. That was one thing I came up with, because I did enjoy it again. Like, I think I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. It had probably been 10, 12 years since I'd seen this film. Um, watching it again, it was very, it was a, it's a great movie. Um, but I was trying to think, why haven't I revisited it a lot? The lack of suspense maybe is part of it. There is a scene at the end, the whole end set piece is where the suspense comes in more. But even that wasn't, like, crazy suspenseful. And the party scene. Yeah, it's a little more with the party scene, I guess. But but maybe the way they played out, those scenes played out as opposed to some of his other films wasn't as good in that direction for me. And I think part of it also, the other thing I came up with for a while is that like the character, there's the three main characters really, and then the mother's a fourth character. That's kind of it. Like you don't, and some of his other films also, there's more, even if they're not main characters, they're a little more integral to the plot. Or they lead to the suspense or something where in this one the guy so like well i guess we're spoiling it <laughs> notorious now too from 1946 but the end of the movie ends with claude rains is basically stuck with his former compatriots or his compatriots whatever nazis basically that are because this is just post-world war ii that are um it's presumed you know it's implied they're about to kill him essentially um, but all these guys, you never really met them too much. You don't know that. Like, I thought maybe there could have been a little more characterization from a couple other people to like make the threat more real or something, or to understand it more. Sure, but it's not like about the like. Mm -hmm. We know what Nazis are. What is it? Plutonium or uranium in the soil that, that that's inside the wine bottles. I think uranium, it's something with a U. Yeah, like, we know what that does. The stakes are sufficiently high, plus they kill that butler, um, like, right in front of you, and that's supposed to set up, with, whoa, these guys don't fuck around. Um, like, like we know that Nazis are bad. The point of the movie isn't, isn't so much the Nazi plot they're trying to foil. It's that this is Tosca, like, this is one of the great Italian operas, and it happened to be released in America in 1946 um, as a film. Uh, it's the romance. It's the 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 dejection. The 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 two lost souls. The uh, and the like insurmountable obstacle of him having to marry the woman he loves to a Nazi collaborator in order to get the goods that he needs to bring down this Nazi plot. Right. And You're right. All, all the like human egos involved. It's everything around the Nazi plot that they're trying to foil. The movie isn't about like. This would be fucking Mission Impossible if it were, right? Yeah, which is not what I'm advocating for, and I do agree with everything you just said. I think that is a point of the film, but but they do throw those elements in, so if they're gonna do that. I thought that part could have been done a little a little better for my taste. But yes, the main element yeah. of the film is the romance between Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. They have great chemistry. They're two of the most. There's a reason why also that they're two. They're still considered two of the best you know biggest name actors of all time what did this happen years before after or this, after years later or whatever yeah um did this happen before or after casablanca this would be after casablanca i believe that was 19 that was that came out during when world war ii was still happening um i think 42 maybe 1942 yeah yeah so yeah so she's obviously the star of that as well this, but this is real is the starring role for her. Obviously, Cary Grant's the main character also, but this is her movie. I would say overall, um, yes, it is. House performance, Whoop. and um, I was we were saying about the accent before. So actually, another another thing was I after this I uh, after I revisited this, 
I looked up and saw if they were in any other movies together, and they were in one subsequent movie together in the fifth in the late fifties called Indiscreet, a British film. Um, so I watched that as well. It was pretty good. It was entertaining. Very very light. The plot is not. Um, uh, <laughs> it's no promising young woman with a heavy t- type of theme, but uh, but their chemistry was still great in that too when they're you know fifteen years older or whatever. And that she was really. The funny part about that was, in this she was kind of, like, her accent was a little bit, you could still tell she was, like, Scandinavian or whatever, but it was a little bit subdued, or she was trying, it seemed like, but I think was the character supposed to be German, I guess, anyway, right, or did she grow up in America, we don't exactly know, but, um, but then, in this other movie I watched, she's, like, supposed to be, like, her sister's in it as, like, a very classic, stereotypical British woman, she's supposed to be, like, completely British, and she doesn't even try to... (laughs) maintain accent at all in that movie uh indiscreet but which is funny but um but anyway back to notorious um the yeah the is there like any um can we draw some um some parallel between that and the other movie we just talked about like with the the leading lady I don't you know. want to force a theme you want to force a theme on this well she so in promising um... young woman she's pretending to be drunk and this, and this, that character actually does get drunk. She's she just is like, so drunk. <laughs> she is, um, but but she is also like trying to ultimately right some wrongs that happened. So that could be the, the parallel, I think, um, if we have to draw one, which we don't have to, but I'm forcing us into it. Um, the in this case, it's like her father. She's trying to get um, atone for her fa- the sins of the father, basically sins of the family right um, like the movie starts out with them like at a party listening on the radio to her father being sentenced or something i think it starts her father she's in was court, she's in court watching it i believe um okay and she and doesn't testify and then she tells the nazi people uh claude rains etc that her father told her he didn't want her to testify which is obviously not true i, I believe um really she what uh, didn't like his actions of course um so and that's that's the plot of the thrust of the movie basically. Carrie, for if you haven't seen it, Carrie Grant is a what what a, a FBI agent or some kind of a federal agent um, that wants well, her to, or that the people he works for want him to get her to essentially get cozy with this Claude Rains guy to get the the dirt on him. You're underselling this a little bit. You you say he's playing an FBI agent. He's not playing an FBI agent. He's playing someone who is not Cary Grant. He's playing someone who does not drip charisma, who who couldn't just be with Ingrid Bergman because he's Cary Grant. He's playing somebody with, like, actual, like, foibles. He's playing somebody whose pride gets in the way of his romance, which is just not what Cary Grant does. So, like, yes, he's also playing, like, an FBI agent or whatever. I thought he still had some good charisma working in this. I don't know. Or the FBI can only operate internally. So he's playing a CIA agent. So after this, he's going to do a coup in South America. He's going to overthrow a democratically elected leftist government in South America. But in this movie, he's the good guy. So Notorious 2, like, they're on... They're newlyweds on vacation in in Bolivia or something like that. But really, he's working. They're also working to stage the coup or something. Yeah, Notorious 2 just happens in the background of Che. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting. Um, But yeah, so they... Yeah, so the plot's actually fairly basic. I mean, they they kind of fall in love. It's a typical old 40s style or the old type of cinema where you kind of fall in love and... uh, It's not quite Disney princess level, but but you fall in love fairly quickly in like a week or something, a couple times seeing each other. I mean, Um, whom among us? Yeah. So, but then he obviously has to uh, give her to over to, or, or send her over to this the actor or to the character played by Claude Rains, who's very good also on this. The way he plays it when like his friends are telling him, you know, you know what we should yeah. do, you know, she is friends with this Nazi guy, and this Nazi guy probably is sweet on her, so we should put them together, and then she can give us the secrets. And the way he's playing yeah. that whole scene, it reminds me. We've talked about this movie actually. It reminds me of when Stanley Tucci is telling Robert De Niro that he has to kill Al Pacino in The Irishman. Just like stone face, just like, why the fuck would we do that? What are you talking, like, why the fuck would we do that? Okay, 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 fine. I don't have a problem with this. 
No, you definitely just said Stanley Tucci. Do you mean what, uh, every Italian American man is uh, looks exactly the same to me? No, it's Joe Pesci of Joe Pesci. Yeah. Yes, good God. Uh, all right. Anyway, yeah, Joe Pesci tells him tells De Niro he has to kill Pacino. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. But yeah, there's a scene with that with Cary Grant where they tell him they have to, um, and he kind of plays it off too. Yeah, the like, way he's trying to. Yeah, the way he's trying to stone face it, like, why would I have a problem with this beautiful woman that I've been spending all my time with marrying? It is what it is, right? Yeah. And then it's interesting also to her that he, he before that, before they are unequivocal about what needs to be done, he is trying to be like, oh, I don't think she would be good for this for whatever reason. He's trying to get her, them not to go that way. But, but then when he realizes that's what has to be done with her then later, he does stone face it where he doesn't even like say that he was trying to stick up for her or whatever like and that well, also, also kind of then leads to her, her decisions you know so it's interesting yep uh, um the one thing leads to another if story. only we hadn't been so proud yeah so with the claude Ray's character then there's the mother stuff which is a big hitchcock theme you know um the domineering <laughs> mother um, yes, it is which is where what played to good effect in this i mean the claude Rins is an interesting character because he for a Nazi that's ostensibly the antagonist of the film, he never really does anything villainous, overtly at all. He's not, he's fairly beta-ish, obviously with the mother thing and all this. He never mistreats um, Ingrid Bergman's character at all. Uh, he never, like what I'm saying, he never, he's never shown on screen doing really anything villainous. So like, that's an interesting angle as well, I think, that makes the, the movie kind of unique. Um, well, yeah, it's like Claude Rains, for all we know in this movie, he's not a Nazi, like, super spy mastermind. He's just a fucking Nazi. But he's high, he was high up in some capacity of, like, he's an important person, obviously. That's why they're trying to get the scoop on things through him. Yeah, so I wrote some other notes down when I was rewatching it. Um, let's see. Oh, I wrote uh, another good Hitchcock thing is his, like, humorous touches he throws into most of his films like probably another main reason why i i really enjoy a lot of his movies i really thought it was funny that at the beginning the the scene where he's they're going out to the drunk driving thing where she's about to just drive like crazy which also the good camera uh drunk driving camera 40s style camera work or inventive for the 40s probably well first of all the, the drunk driving camera work and then when it shows her being hung over waking up hung over the next day presumably the camera kind of like turns over that's uh cool but but before they go driving he says uh carrie grant like says uh oh you'll catch cold and then he just wraps like a little bandana around her which, which i was laughing at um very gentlemanly yeah and uh let's see here what else did i write down oh and also you know this the the script of this movie is actually is really good a lot of the dialogue I wrote down the quote, waving the flag with one hand and picking pockets with the other, which I believe is what Bergman says to Cary Grant at one point toward the beginning about his patriotism when he's trying to get her to enlist to what he's trying to, what they want her to do. That is like, um, even back then, like it's still, things stay the same basically, you know, like right, the false patriotism or skewed whatever obviously we see it uh in the news a lot to this day um uh let's see here oh yeah but just like i guess the this the dialogue is good in this but but also that's why i think that's another reason why i like film noir in the in general as well um and why why a lot of noir is enduring to this day because because of like the witty back and forth and everything repartee and everything like that and this is a, a film noir i would say even though it doesn't follow the plot line of a lot of more common film noir i think or it is a little bit a little bit different well right yeah yeah it, exactly it's a romance wearing the jacket of a film noir yeah. but i yeah, mean it, it, it does still have like all the buttons on the lapel um it's a dumb metaphor. I'm a, no, the metaphor was good, but then you, were, you you started gilding the lily with the buttons, the buttons part. So you just overextended it a little bit. I think you had it, and then you went too far. It's all right. Happens to the best of us. I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice. 
Oh, I like. There's another line I wrote down that I liked. She says, "I'm only fishing for a little bird call from my dream man," <laughs> which I just thought that was a good line. I don't know, like, okay, that's a good way to say you it. Know, like I a, a little it. bird call. Like I want, I just want a little um, compliment or something, or a little like affection. It's a good way to say it. Um, oh, I also wrote. Oh, this line I wrote down contrasting with, um, actually with. Uh, uh, promising young woman because she says Ingrid Bergman says right below the belt every time um, and then I, that made me think of in Promising Young Woman there's like a line where Carrie Mulligan says like oh I think it's when they give when the parents are like give her a gift of like a bag you know a travel bag to like imply to her to, to that she needs to like leave their house um, she says like it was a real kick to the cunt or something like that so I was just thinking, like, yeah. that is the difference between 70 year, years of whatever of filmmaking, that uh, the saying a similar thing, but uh, obviously much, uh, much differently and more direct, uh, the 2020 way. Oh, I, I wrote down, oh, the, a good quote from, uh, I guess I'm just reading quotes now since I wrote them down. A good quote from the, the mother is, uh, we are protected by the enormity of your stupidity for now. <laughs> That whole thing, that whole situation, the, like, house of cards that they have built around their situation there, where it's like, okay, the Claude Rains knows that she's a spy, because if anyone finds out that he's married to a spy, they'll also kill him, but then they have to get her out of the house because uh, his mother's poisoning her, like, that That whole plot, like, and that was the part at the end that you were saying was actually suspenseful to you, um, and, and, like, or, it, the, I, or at it, least like, that's it's a really great it. sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's Actually, a really great sequence. I yeah. like it was tense the whole time. Like, and he's done this thing by setting it up as one of these operas that like the audience at the time I hope would have been familiar with because like the the art form hadn't died at that point. Um, but also that like I'm familiar with. It's like nothing works out for these people. Everyone dies. The tension. Then you do hope that she survives, obviously, and that Ingrid Bergman, the honey of all honeys, gets to be with the most handsome man who ever lived. The expectation that everything is going to go wrong there really works in the like movie's favor, just to to create that tension. That's true. I, I think it, maybe I did prefer the earlier scene though. Well, I don't know because you had mentioned before about the, the wine cellar, and the party that. scene. That part when they find the your yeah. water bottles or water that bottles. part not as much maybe, but earlier when that when she's getting the key from him, which by the way that plan was really stupid. Also, yeah. <laughs> But regardless, um, it was a cool, and it was another cool camera work shot where she gets, she has the key, then she has her hands like this, right? And he, like, kisses one of them, and the key's in the other hand, so she, like, pulls him aside, whatever, but she, like, drops the key to the ground and, like, kicks it behind, like, and the camera swirls down to show it. That was, that was cool. And then, oh, I also wrote down, a badass cigar, uh, cig lighting move from Mama is, is my own quote that I wrote down on my thing here. I don't even remember what, what it was now, but I guess I I guess I liked the way that the mom, the mother, lit her cigarette up. I'm gonna have to watch this whole movie again just to find out what yeah. you're talking about. I, you know, I love you know I love an interesting cigarette lighting technique. I'm always yeah, trying yeah. to look as cool as possible when I smoke my cigarette. Yeah, yeah, you should pick this one up. And another thing to that vein, I also wrote, which now I'm trying to remember what it looks like. I think I remember the hairstyle that Ingrid Bergman wears in the party scene. I wrote, would this style still work today? Because it was working for me. I think it was kind of like, it was not quite a Princess Leia, you know, but it was a little more up. Like, it, I don't know. I liked it. I don't, I haven't seen anyone rocking that this century, I don't think. But they, we got to bring it back. Let's see I'm if Googling I can. Googling it now. Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, uh, you're not uh, not on board with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be excited to see that hairstyle in a person in 2020. I would not be like. I don't know. I'm feeling it. Wait, let me see here. You feeling it? Well, I'm feeling Ingrid Bergman, the most beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't lived. want to just see it on anyone. Like they, I guess they, you know, have to. I'm not saying that to look exactly like her, be as attractive, but I don't know. It's uh. It's like Same, a little uh, next picture, the the second picture on IMDb, 
same same haircut, but it's down. Hmm. Woo. Okay, well I'm not I'm on Google, not IMDb, but let me. Yeah. That's it's it. Like I said, it's not quite the lay down, but it's a little, it's like a little swirl up, like it's like a little, little uh, rose swirls or like little like ears on a a bear or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, what what are you seeing the one you were looking at on this thing here? Now see like this hairstyle from the '40s, I don't really care for too much with like the back, it's like a mullet, it's like the the beaver tail type of thing. Is that her even, or that's a different character? Can't even tell. I think that's her. Yeah, no, there's there's my style again. I mean, he Cary Grant right. definitely this, he's this filling out that This is the one that, that I'm talk. talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's more conventional. It's fine. I'm I'm doing a more more hipster pick on the hairstyle, I guess. Bergman. Uh, maybe I should rewatch Casablanca too. I've probably been seeing that in over ten years either, maybe more. I don't think I have. Yeah. I do. I like Humphrey Bogart. Like he has a lot of good movies also, but him versus Grant, I, I, I probably got to go Grant most of the time. As you know, I've seen maybe three movies that each of them was in. So, hmm. have you seen North by Northwest? By the way. Uh, no, I never watched North by Northwest. I watched yeah. Shadow of a Doubt for you. Mm-hmm. I watched but you didn't the tell me until now. Birds, Notorious, and Psycho. Those are. I, I do you think those are the only um, Hitchcock films you've seen to this point? I know they are. Those that was four you just said, right? Yeah. You never seen Rear Window? I may have seen Rear Window like years ago. Okay, well get get back on that. I think I more recognize Rear. If it's I've been seen it, I more recognize it from like copy parody. Yeah. yeah, like I recognize it more from the Simpsons episode than I do from like actually knowing Rear Window. Yeah, that could happen a lot. That could happen a lot. That's one where everything really comes together, and I really, I think it's really great with the, the different characters, elements, and stuff. And uh, definitely more suspense in that one. But yeah, Notorious, yep, that's another recommend from the team here. Uh, if you want to watch a nice classic movie, with some great uh, uh, cracking dialogue, nice romance, um, great chemistry, an interesting antagonist, um, and yeah, and some great uh, stylistic camera work from the master. A lot of a lot of which was probably revolutionary at the time. So yes, but uh, I guess that that should about do it for this episode. Check out Brooklyn Rebound Network. If you type that into any podcast thing, whether it be Stitcher, IT, you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, etc., or, or Spotify, it's on actually now too. Brooklyn Rebound Network, you'll have our older movie episodes plus other episodes of podcasts um, about sports and comedy and all type of stuff. So check that out. I might chop this up in some form and release it there as well. Um, but yeah. This is my channel right here. Uh, the channel is Drew's Views on Twitch. We probably try to do this. It's maybe Drew's with a Z and Views with a Z. Yes, Drew's with. Obviously, if you're watching this, you can see it. But audio style, Drew's Views with Z's. That is correct. If you do um, watch it in the future, comment as well. Let us know your thoughts or um, what other films we should uh, talk about. But yeah, start thinking about what we can do for next time. We'll have to look and see what, what films are uh, coming out on the horizon, on the streamer, on VOD, whatever. Are we going to try to go to a drive-in theater and see see something on the big screen? I don't know. Are we going to I do rest? plan to take my sweetie to the drive-in sometime this month. Is there a drive-in out in New York? I don't even remember hearing about one oh. I live there. Okay. No, there absolutely isn't. Now, if you do go back home to Arkansas, as I call it, uh, you can. Uh, I, is that a place where movie theaters might be open? I wouldn't be shocked to hear. Mm, can you? Can I go see Tenet right there in Little open. Rock right now? I think so. All right. They really don't give a fuck, man. People are it seeing was... Wonderful Woman, nineteen hundred and eighty-four, in the theater there. Uh, yeah, the Wonderful Woman, nineteen hundred and eighty-four. They they are seeing that, and uh, hopefully it's good for them. I don't. I didn't like it. I, I thought it was stupid. Yeah. Well, it's uh, unknown if I'm gonna watch that one or not yet. Maybe someday I'll get to it. But as for now, just watch. Hey, go back, watch some classic Hitchcock movies. Definitely watch Promising Young Woman if you can get it. Um, 
you know, if you don't want to pay for it now, probably in a matter of months, I bet it would be free somewhere. On some, some service will probably pick that one up. I wouldn't doubt. And uh, yeah, everyone uh, enjoy films, the cinema, etc. Live streaming, comedy, whatever you like. Enjoy it. 2021. It's a new year. And uh, but just like last year, and every other year. And that's it. Peace. Pod Boys Productions.